Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. I am Lindsay Titus, and I am so beyond excited to bring to you special guest today on the Share Your Story series. This is an educator I have gotten to know really well over the last, ah, I wanted to say months, but it might be close to a year now, which is super exciting. Um, So I cannot wait to dive into her story. I know you're going to love it as much as I do. So welcome, Debbie Tannenbaum, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think it has been about a year because we both became ambassadors around a year ago. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, I, like I said, I wanted to say months, but then like that little voice was like, I think it's longer. Yeah, it's really crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I guess the, the saying is true, right? Time flies when you're having fun. So absolutely. It has been a blast getting to know you over the last year. So I'm so excited to dive into a little bit of your story today. And, you know, we're just not going to like kind of waste any time though. I want to get into your book, but before we do that, I want to make sure my listeners know who you are if they are not connected with you. So before we dive into uh, the amazing book that just came out uh, a little while ago, can you just share with the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Sure. So I just finished my 21st year in education and my third year as a tech coach. And I pretty much, I feel like taught almost everything, um, mostly I did most of my time in elementary school, lots of fourth and fifth grade. Um, I did one year in middle school, not 100% sure that was the right thing for me at the time. Um, But I've kind of done a little bit of everything. The past three years, I've been lucky enough to be a tech coach in an elementary school. And so I love my job because I actually get to help teachers and students really realize how they can use technology to amplify learning. And I just feel really, really passionate about that. And so that's what I do during the day. And it's really fun. And I get to do like, I get to like show, like, I love it. Sometimes I'll come into the rooms to do like a lesson and the kids will be like, They'll be excited and I'll know because I'm going to show them something that is going to really help them hold on to their learning in a new way. In addition to my regular job, I've been blogging for about a year and a half. I'm sorry, two and a half years. Crazy. Um, on Tannenbaum Tech, which is my website. Um, I'm working on the business side of it right now. I've been doing more speaking and sharing. Um, because I feel very passionate about this work, especially now after the pandemic, as people are trying to figure out how to deal with technology after having used technology for everything. And then on top of that, a little over a month ago, I published my first book, Transform Techie Nets to Make Learning Sticky. So there's been so much going on. It's kind of crazy, but in another way is it's just been wonderful and it's really been an amazing process. Uh, well, and it has been so, it has been so fun and inspiring and motivating to, to be a part of your, to see your journey, right. To be a part of this journey. I had the, um, I was blessed and fortunate to read the book before it came out. And I was like, I was excited when the idea was there and then reading it, I was that much more excited. And then to see it, you know, in, in real life to hold my copy, 
Um, there is, you know, it is one of those things. There's really, truly nothing like it. Um, you know, I know I felt the same way when my journals, you know, arrived at my house and I was like, it's real, it's here. <laughs> um, you know, so a lot of, obviously a lot of what you do now is related to tech, right? That is, that is kind of your, your expertise, your area. Prior to being a tech coach, I mean, I'm going to make an assumption that tech has always been kind of a passion of yours. But is that, did that start like year one for you? Or is that something that just like naturally and organically grew over the last, you know, couple of decades? Well, it's interesting because I actually found technology my first year of teaching, my first full year of teaching. And what's interesting is I originally wanted to be an elementary school French teacher. That was what I wanted to do. Realized it was really hard to discipline in a foreign language. But in a lot of ways, I kind of view technology as being another language. When you look at all the icons and what you have to do in order to decipher it, it kind of has that same feel. And I was working with my fourth graders at the time and we were using Scholastic and we were doing a project for the African-American Hall of Fame. And I just watched and I saw something that I had, hadn't seen before. And it just really excited me. And after seeing that and trying different things with technology, I decided to just go ahead and get my master's in technology. And it's funny how much has changed since then, but also how much has stayed the same because um, I've gone through so many different iterations, but I've just always been interested in trying things in different ways and taking risks. Some places I've worked have valued that risk-taking more than others. Um, I definitely thrive in environments that you know allow me to do those types of things, but it's especially in the last four Four years, it's really totally changed ever since joining Twitter and becoming a connected educator. Things have really dramatically changed in my life. Um, and especially since I started blogging and writing, it's just really made a huge differences. And the things I was afraid to share before are now things that I'm really, I feel blessed to share with other people. Yeah, I think, I mean, I love that because it's, you know, I think it helps to set in motion that you don't have to know, like you're one, what your 10 is going to look like. Right. Like, and it's, it's that being open and, and excited about new possibilities. Right. When I, when I stepped foot into the classroom 15 years ago, I had no idea what, you know, behavior specialist was or what BCBA or AB. I had no idea what these letters meant. And yet I, I couldn't see myself doing anything different for a long time. Like that's where my passion, my passion is now kind of leading me into leadership and administration but for the last 10 years or so, like that has been it for me. And, you know, so I just, I think it's such an important lesson. And I, it's one I keep sharing with educators is that, you know, if you are finding yourself, you know, drawn to different aspects of our field, like go with it, right? Ask the questions, get connected. My favorite is when people reach out and say, Hey, can you, can you share with me? Like what's a day in the life of a behavior specialist look like? Because my, uh, what, what I don't want is I don't want people to take a job and then get halfway through it and yeah. say, oh, this isn't for me, right? Yeah. And being able to have that connection. Do people reach out to you for that for from like the tech side? Like maybe not so much what you do in a day, but just kind of, you know, how, how did you get into it or what do you do? Like, do you have people that connect with you in that way? Well, there is a, my first year as a tech coach, I worked with a really great teacher, a sixth grade teacher. And this past year she did become a tech coach. And I was really, I, I could see the potential in her. And so I kind of worked with her and helped her go through the application process. And she actually got in the pool before the 2019 year, decided not to go. 
and then this current year decided to do it. And I'm so proud that she did it because I, I could see it in her. And I think it's really important when you see that potential in someone to continue to motivate. I know I was my first year in the county I'm teaching in right now. And this tech coach at my that school said, you really have this. You should go ahead and apply. And I said, but I've only been in the county for a year. She goes, it doesn't matter. You have that quality that they're looking for. And then when I went to my principal and I was like, I think I want to apply to be, they're called ESPITs where I work. <clears throat> she goes, oh, you'd be really good at that. There was no, oh, I can't believe you're doing that or trying to hold me back. She saw that that was my passion and she encouraged me. She helped me with resumes and cover letters and basically did everything she could to help me grow because she saw that as my area of, you know, my area of strength and she wanted to encourage me. And when I shared with her about the book, you know, she was so proud. She's like, you were just a learner through and through. And I was like, well, you showed me that, I could do that in a way I had never seen. She was the one who introduced me to Twitter. And so it all kind of comes together, you know, really. And so I, I want to help other educators get to those things. Just like when a lot of now people are saying, well, how do, what do you do if you want to present? Mm -hmm. And so I'm giving them tips and I'm trying to help them through it. Just like I try to help educators who are starting to navigate Twitter and social media, because I did a lot of figuring it out on my own but you really don't have to, if you're connected. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's so, it's so important to just start, right. And sometimes it's that starting that can be so scary. So, you know, anybody listening, just reach out, right. That's the beauty of it. You know, you've got both of us here. I know plenty of my other guests too, like open That's That's really how I still remember my first Twitter chat. Um, I've shared this story before, but I, I remember sitting there and I texted or messaged. I can't remember which one. Dave Schmidow. And I said, am I doing this right? <laughs> like, this is my first time that I, how am I doing? He's like, you've got it. You're good. Because it was intimidating, right? It's kind of like, yeah. Oh, what do I do? So just start, know that you can't really get it wrong. It's not a big deal. If you, you know, I think I missed like the a one on one of the questions and yeah. not a big deal. Right. But I started. And I think that's the best part. Speaking of starting, right. So I know your book started out of your blogging right? Yes, it did. So tell us about that process a little bit, like where, you know, where did the desire to blog come from? And then what was it, where was kind of that moment of like, I think these could be a book. Like, what was that process like for you? Well, it's really funny because today I was actually listening to a podcast and the person who influenced me to make my website slash blog was being interviewed. And it was just so funny because she was during that interview, she actually said my name and talked about Twitter. And I thought, oh my God, that's so weird. Um, but I was doing a um, Edge of Magic um, book club on Twitter with Sam Fessich, who was the person who was being interviewed. And everybody had a website and I didn't. And I started playing around with different mediums. And as I was doing that, I said, well, let me just send it to her. And so I published it. Nobody in the world had seen it. And I sent it to her and she wrote back saying, you have a story that nobody else has. It's of ups and downs, celebrations and, you know, and those crying moments. And people need to see your story. And as she did that, I took a big leap and I pressed publish and I sent it out. And those first couple of blogs, I really wasn't sure what my blog was doing. And it was kind of sporadic. And but it continued to grow. And there'd be times where I would blog a couple times a week. And sometimes it would be like twice a month. And, you know, during COVID, you know, I, I really had to figure out what I wanted to do with it because I wasn't 100% sure. Mm -hmm. And 
at the end of um, 2019, before COVID happened, I was doing a Twitter chat, um, a lead lab chat. And as I was doing that, um, Jay Billy put out a thing at the end, like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And without thinking, I wrote, I want to write a book. And he wrote, just do it. And so having him read my book was super cool. And so I just started kind of looking at my blog and trying to figure out. And I remember I was just like taking a walk and all of a sudden the word transform just came into my brain. And I came home and I wrote it down and started trying to figure out. And I was like, wait a minute, this is these were these letters can tell my story. And, you know, yes, parts of those titles have changed, but I really kind of set up a doc for each chapter and then just started putting it together. And when I, when COVID happened, I kind of paused. There was too much going on. And in December, I was finishing up my year of challenge for my one word and getting ready to start my year of transformation. And I saw a Twitter post and it was like, do you have a story to share? If you do, let me know. And I was just like, you know, I've been just going for it this year. So I emailed um, Darren and he was now my publisher and he's like, well, let's meet and see what you got. And we met at that point, like I had a half of half of my book and he looked at it and he's like, I really like this, but let me decide what I want to do with it. If I want to do a contract, this or that. And three days later I had a contract in my hand, but after talking to him, I was so motivated. I was writing like, you know, no one had ever seen before. And within a month of talking to him, my book was pretty much done. And it was funny because I took it like two or three weeks to sign my book contract after he gave it to me because I was like in the state of imposter syndrome. Like, why is he giving this to me? Am I really going to be able to do this? Is this really a good idea? And all those doubts. And I was talking to a good friend of ours, Jillian, and she was like, if he believes in you, you should go for it. And I was like, yeah, why am I trying to, you know, convince myself one way or another? I feel it. Mm -hmm. And so I went for it. And now it's my beautiful book that I have in my hand. And I really love what we've done with it. And I always, I, you know, I said to Darren that I feel like the books that his company has been publishing, they fill a need that people didn't know was needed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud to be the third author and part of that, you know, filling the need we didn't know, um, mm -hmm. because I really do believe in this coming year that technology is going to have to be really redefined. And I've seen people use it for everything. And then people say, well, you're back in the building. You can't use technology. Well, you have to find that middle ground. And I'm really hoping that my book helps educators not only find that middle ground, but also helps them see how they can use technology themselves to learn and empower themselves. Because educators who haven't gone there, they're really missing something. And it's something that's all educators need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I resonate with so much of what you just said. And I think I want to, I want to go back to a couple of things, but I, I think, and I, and I'm pretty sure I either shared with you with the, this with you, or I wrote it in the, in the review, but I truly see your book as something that stays on teacher's desks, right? That is not, this is, you know, there's some educational books out there where you kind of read them once they're amazing, right. And they kind of go on the bookshelf and maybe every now and then you, you reference them. I really see your book as something that is going to be front and center in every classroom uh, because it really is that it's that it's story, but it's, it's strategy, right? It is your story paired with strategies. And I am not a tech person at all. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with a lot because I do a lot on the computer, but you made it very simple and you made it easy for me. Who's not in a classroom per se, but I was reading it saying I could use that for my trainings. Oh, I could use that with a student. You know, I've seen you do your, your thinking routines presentation. And I'm like, I could use that with social emotional learning. I could, you know, it's so, you make it so easy to understand 
that I truly think any educator is going to be able to pull anything from it. And I just see it as that resource. You know, I think, again, it's going to have stories. So it really is that you're going to connect with it. But I don't think it's one that's going away. I think it's one that that's going to be front and center, uh, especially this year, <laughs> but um, many yeah, years to come to. And that's my hope. And I really wanted to try to take you through a journey so that you it wasn't overwhelming. You and I talk a lot about the small strategic steps. Mm-hmm. And my goal is never with technology for it. To, you're, it's not a complete renovation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just simple swaps that make things better. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday. I'm like, it's like, instead of looking at your plate and adding onto your plate, it's taking something off your plate that's unhealthy and putting something healthier on your plate. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I view it. And, you know, I tell people when I do presentations all the time, I'm going to show you a lot. My goal is not to have you do everything. It's like when you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Pick one or two things from here that you really think are going to work for you. Start with them. Mm-hmm. See how they go. Use them a couple of times, but don't feel, and, the, and I'm like, I know technology, but I have 10 tools I stick with. Mm-hmm. Don't make it complicated. And I think that's the thing that scares educators the most is that complicated nature. Plus, I think there's that fear of, well, what if it goes wrong? Mm-hmm. What will my kids think? What will my administrator think? But we need to model that vulnerability with our students and with our colleagues. Absolutely. You know, I think over the last uh, maybe year, maybe a couple of years, I really start started really paying attention to words, right? And the, even the word wrong, right? Now my reaction is like, well, what's wrong with wrong, right? Because we put so much pressure on ourselves that it has to be right. And I'm like, but whose definition of right are we using, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I just think it's so important that, yes, like when things go wrong, all it simply means is the outcome was different than the intention, right? What you set out to do was different than what actually happened. And when that happens, you have the most beautiful organic example of how, how do you work through it? How do you problem solve? How do you say, oh my goodness, I'm going to, I got to go this way now because this isn't working. And that is, that is some of the life lessons that our students need, right? But if we aren't taking the risk to try something new, to do something, they aren't seeing it. Therefore, they aren't going to have that same desire to step outside of the comfort zone because they're not seeing it in action. And I think that's one of the real blessings of this past year is I was seeing teachers who were going into their classrooms and saying things like, guys, this isn't something I'm really that familiar with. This is all new to me. So please give me a little break. And kids were like, it's fine. We can help you. And it became a partnership and they were working together and it wasn't, they were the sage on the stage. And I saw so much growth in teachers because one, they had to learn all these things to connect with their students. But also there wasn't that fear of judgment. I think a lot of times teachers are like, well, I have to get those test scores. Mm -hmm. And so they're afraid to try something that really is beneficial. But I'm hoping that now people are going to be like, well, I'm able to do hard things. Mm -hmm. Let me try to do something that's going to impact and help my students learn. That's going to help them hold on to the learning because schools changed over the last, what, 15, 20, 25 years. What worked then when I first started teaching, it's different. And yes, there's still some good, there's practices that are best practices, like small group instruction and things like that. But we have, our our students need different things than we might've needed 20 or 25 years ago. So I just think it's so important that we kind of really focus on that whole engagement piece, because if we don't, we're going to 
our students are not going to get out of school what they're going to need for their future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you bring up a really good point of, you know, what worked for me as a, as a student is, is generally going to be how I teach. Like when I first started out, that's what I did. I taught the way that I taught the way that I liked to be taught. Right. Right. And I think what we've learned, especially over the last year, because nobody, again, unless you chose to go to an online school, which I don't even know that they existed when, you know, we were in school, maybe they did. I don't know, but nobody learned that way. Right. Right. Nobody learned solely through the virtual lens or hybrid or, or whatever combination your school district had. So it really did force us outside of our comfort zones. It forced us to do something different. But I, again, I want to reiterate what you what you shared is that it really does come back to those small, simple, and strategic steps. Yeah. We are not saying you now have to incorporate five tech tools in every lesson every day of the school year. But so often, I think I shared about this this morning or yesterday, so often we hear like sometimes or try it out and we assume all the time. Yeah. Right? We make this jump and we're like, I can't do it all the time. And I'm like, I didn't say, like, I didn't ask you to do it all the time. Right. I said, try it out. <laughs> right. So I think it's, it's being vulnerable with yourself to say, I am going to try something new and being strategic. Like which lesson would this align with? If you have a yeah. rock star lesson that has student engagement and participation, don't change it. Yeah, exactly. Right. But if right. lesson number two isn't so solid, isn't so great, it doesn't get you excited. If you're not excited, your kids aren't excited. We know that. So that to me would be where you focus, right? Yeah, and absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I love going in and working with teachers in the classroom and then doing that co-teaching piece because we can say, okay, here's the objectives of our lesson. Well, you know, let's talk about what part of this lesson in the past hasn't worked or has you've had issues with and see if there's a way we can use that technology to amplify it. And, you know, and it's, like I said, it's not big things. Something as small as teaching my teacher's Pear Deck was a huge, phenomenal thing this past year because they needed to engage their students and been able to contact and connect with their students. If you're using, we, we didn't have Zoom, we were using a different platform, but we could only see four faces. Well, if you can only see four faces, it's very hard to stay connected with your students. But if you can see their screen and you can comment and give them feedback and you can do that, then obviously you're going to have a much more you know, rich experience. And so when I started sharing that with my staff, you know, it was like, I I had to hard sell it. Like we have to buy a subscription. This past year, our our staff is using it. They see value and it makes their job more efficient and easier. But most of all, it helps students learn Mm. and connect and really brings that learning experience to be a richer place. And so that's really what it's all about, you know? Mm -hmm. As, they, as tech tools continue to evolve, the tech tools that listen to teachers are the ones that are doing those things. Absolutely. They believe in the work. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned co-teaching and I, I love that. And I think that's so vital. I know I love getting into classrooms as well and, and just being there, right? To model it, to show it, to talk about, give feedback to staff. I'm wondering, have you, you know, run into teachers that maybe aren't, aren't so in love with tech? Or, or aren't so open yet here you are in this co-teaching, you know, relationship. And what are some ways that you kind of build the relationship with that staff member that maybe is like, I can't do tech. I'm not going to do it. And I've definitely had experiences like that without a doubt. There are always a couple of teachers who are a little bit fearful of the tech. They have their way of doing things and that's the way they want. And I view it a lot of the same ways I viewed when I worked with my students. It's all about relationships Mm -hmm. and, you know, making those constant efforts to get to know those teachers, to connect with them 
And sometimes that would mean I would go in and co-teach a lesson and the teacher was working on something in the other side of the room, but she was still listening in and I could tell she was still listening in. And then the next time I would try to draw, you know, doing little draws. So it wasn't like she was carrying the load, but I also knew she was gaining exposure. And so sometimes it's those things. And it's funny because one of the teachers I happen to be thinking about right now, this year, we were having a a staff meeting and she was showing somebody else how to do something. And everybody looked at her and she's like, yeah, I learned to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, you know, it, it has to be very intentional. And I've also seen teachers who they're not afraid of the tech, but they also view when someone else comes in their room, that that's time for them. And I understand that I've been in the classroom, but the embedded or the co-teaching model really works best when we do this together. And the teachers who I've seen the biggest growth in were the teachers who planned side by side with me, whether it was through email or I went in and we met for 10 or 15 minutes. And then we taught that lesson. And then we really talked about what's next or we, or the first time we did the lesson, we tried, I led it. And then they started to take more ownership over it. And I just feel like, let's be honest, you and I are both in education. Nobody wants to go to trainings before school. (laughs) Nobody wants to go to trainings after school to get somebody to sub for you is at least where I live is a horrible thing. It's hard. So really when we talk about doing co-teaching in that embedded practice, it's really the best way to do this because it's natural. The kids are seeing you take risks. The kids are trying new things and you have that support of somebody in there. If you do feel like you might need help. And so I really, truly believe in it because that's where the real growth happens is with that guided practice. Yeah, absolutely. I love, you know, so really, I love what you said. It's really being able to redefine what co-teaching can look like. Right. Yeah. You know, I think if we and, and this can be in any facet of, of education, in all honesty, of our lives, is that redefine it. Right. If the definition you're using is holding you back. Right. If we yeah. see co-teaching as it has to look like this and only this way, we're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel frustrated. And so is the teacher. And so are the students. And you're not going to get anywhere. But if you're willing to say, you know what, right now, this is our co-teaching. And right. next week, here's our new goal and here's our new goal and our new goal. And that's, that's the beauty of really personalizing kind of our kind of services, right? Whether it's behavior Absolutely. or tech, like we've got it, but it's also the same in the classroom. We've got to be able to redefine what does success look like for every student. It's going to have a different definition and, and being open to that people are learning. You know, I had a, I had a similar situation where I had modeled something for a staff and I really, I, I didn't know that they had kind of picked up on it. Like I was like, I just don't think I'm getting, I'm getting through to them. I don't think they're getting it. And I happened to like walk by their classroom one day and they were using the strategy that I, I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. And I was, you know, I was so excited about it. So I think it's, it's too, it's just realizing that some people take in information in different forms, yeah, right? Absolutely. They may not, they may not want to do it with me right then and there. Maybe again, all different reasons. They're scared. They might do it wrong. They, you know, what am I going to think? I'm the expert, but they watch it, they take it in and then they're going to show it when they're ready to show it. And I think that's just such a valuable reminder for everyone we're working with. And I think it's really important for us to kind of keep that in mind as we go to things where we're given a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. professional development experience. And that's, you know, that we really do need to consider the best way that we have to model that double track agenda with our, with, with our staff as we're working with them, because it's boring to sit and have somebody talk at you. Right. And so like, even as I plan my professional development sessions, I intentionally 
make sure every 10 minutes there's a processing activity because I want to model that interaction for the teachers. When I first started doing this, I kind of just talked and I was doing a session for one of my teachers and I was talking about the different types of interactions we have. And I was like, well, I can't talk about this unless I'm actually doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I started very purposefully including more, you know, you know, I guess student to student interactions and student to content interactions and student to teacher interactions as far as my PD goes, because I want teachers to see it's possible and see it modeled so that way they can try it. And so it's the same thing when I go into a classroom to co-teach, I'm showing them things that they might not think it's possible and we're doing it together. So it's, it's just so important because it's just not going to fly having someone stand in front of the room and talk. Right. Absolutely. And it, it makes it like multi-sensory, right? You're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're feeling it with the energy, things like that. I I did something similar, you know, and I I love that too, you know, if someone's listening and they're, they want to start, you know, I think you've given great insight on how to, you know, how to write a book. You just start like that's that's just kind of it, right? You just start writing. It's really the same. I think I'm curious to get your opinion too on speaking, right? You just have to start putting things out there, right? You've got to figure out, yes, what is it you want to share, but be okay that the first couple of times I'm going to be your best, right? Like, yeah, like I have, I have still haven't done my best. Like I improve every single time. And this last uh, training I did presentation, I did for a conference. I usually talk about how, you know, using questions and, and things like that can build relationships, but I've never actually embedded it into the beginning of my trainings. And I right. did that this time. And I asked, you know, three questions I'm um, super silly, right? Like, where would you travel if you could? What what food, if you had to eat every day, what would you pick? But it it started the session off so lighthearted. And so I felt connected, even though they I couldn't really see people yeah. and I was just in the chat. I felt like they kind of knew me. I knew them a little bit. And it made the rest of the session, like, just flow, right? Very natural. So I think it's about just being okay, putting yourself out there, which means yeah. you know who yourself, right? You know who you are. But kind of on that speaking terms, like I know you speak a ton now. So was it kind of that same process or what was that like for you as you started that? Well, when I first started speaking, I I have to admit I was terrified. Um, And when I went two years ago, I went to ISTE and it was my first time, I guess, being away from home. I'm going to say because it was my first time in a long time where I was away from my kids and I was away from my husband and I was on my own and I was able to do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. And I decided I wasn't going to waste this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I went to events at night. I am not a huge social night person at all. I went to anything I could go to. Like I went and I met podcasters who I wanted to meet, even though I didn't know anybody there. And I just really took a lot of risks. And I noticed that I had these amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. And so when I set my goals for 2020, I was like, I want to present more. At first, I wasn't really sure what to do with it. And my first presentation was for a local conference in my district. And when the conference was over, the person who was in charge says, I was so happy when I saw you applied. And I was like, you're talking to me? He's like, yeah, I've been following you on Twitter and I love your stuff. And I was so happy you applied. And, you know, it's that whole idea. We all have that story, but it didn't hit me till he said something that, wait a minute. Yes, I do have something that I can share here. And um, I presented there. And then afterwards, I was still nervous. And I reached out to somebody I know who does presentations. And I was like, here's my ideas. Can you just give me feedback? 
Mm-hmm. And she gave me some feedback. And then I went and I said, I'm just going to go for it. What's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no. And I have to be honest, I've been presenting for almost a year and a half now. And I think I've only gotten four no's. And that's, you know, so, you know, and when I get a no, that tells me that, you know, either I didn't meet my audience or it's just not the right time. Sometimes when I get a no, it's actually, it turns out that there's something else in the works I didn't know, but (laughs) I've really looked at what people present at conferences and where I felt I could provide the most value. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very strategic with those things. And, you know, all of those things are talked about in my book, but it's more than that. These are all things I really value. I value the idea of promoting student voice. I value creating with my littles. I value reaching beyond your expectations and using social media. I value using those thinking routines. So every one of my presentations is connected to something I really value. And so I keep building onto that. And now when I go into a presentation, I'm excited because I've started to view presentations as the beginning of relationships, which is a new thing in the last two weeks, really. Mm-hmm. Where when I'm presenting, it isn't so that you can see me and never see me again, but I'm hoping that something I say will resonate. Maybe we'll follow each other on social media and we'll form a connection because the more connections we form, the better we do. Mm-hmm. And so I've really been approaching it differently. When I get feedback forms, I ask, do you want to opt in on my newsletter? Do you want stickers? This and that, because to me, I want to make sure that I give value so then I can get value from them as well. So it's that relationship piece. And, you know, there are definitely times where I've presented that I've been more nervous than others, Mm -hmm. Um, but I love it. I love seeing the excitement when I've shared something with somebody else that they were like, oh, I didn't even know that was there Mm -hmm. or I've never thought of it that way. To me, that's the real magic. And I, I just love it because there's people who do that for me too. Every one of my presentations was built on somebody else inspiring me and then me taking it into my direction. Cause that's all ideas are essentially recycled anyways, <laughs> you know, but you know, I want to make sure that something I've learned doesn't just stay with me. I want others to use it because if others are using it, it's going to help all of our kids. And ultimately, yes, we're in different school districts and different states and different this and different that, but we all have the same goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And I think if anybody is, you know, if I've had a couple of people reach out lately and, you know, cause they know I'm, I'm starting to speak more and trying to, you know, build that too. And they're like, how did you know how to like narrow in on what to talk about? And I said, easy. What is something you could talk for half an hour about without needing anything? Right. Like, yeah. I said, worst case scenario, your PowerPoint goes down. You don't have technology. Like if it's just you, what could you speak on for 30 minutes, right? 45 minutes, whatever. And without a doubt, they come up with something. I'm like, there you go. That's where you start, right? So, because you're absolutely right. It's gotta be something that gets you passionate. It can't just be something that you're, you know, right. Or that you have knowledge on. You could share on that. But it, uh, to me, what takes presentations to that next level is when you feel the passion from the speaker, right? And when you know, and you nailed it with, it really is, what do I value? I could speak on reinforcement systems. I could speak on them. I know all about them, but that's not where my passion lies. My passion actually lies in let's not need, let's do this. So we don't even need them. (laughs) So I'm going to speak on getting to know the unmet needs of the student rather than some reinforcement system. They have a place, they are purposeful, I guess, but that doesn't light me up, right? Let's talk about this. And I think when you can hone in on what that is, it takes that overwhelm. And again, it makes it, it's that 
you know, in the define mindset method, it's envision it, get big and then focus in, right? Where is your area of focus? And that's why when I do a lot of presentations, I'll go to conferences and I'll see people saying using Pear Deck, using Google Slides, and they'll talk about using tools. All of my presentations are focused on, I loved when Hans talked about those human skills. Like I've been using that a lot since your conference. They're focused on human skills and how tech tools can help with that. And so I really try to focus it in a different direction. And sometimes that wouldn't, that means that it's not a match for conferences, but I don't want to sit there. And like when I'll do a session for my students, for my teachers at school, yeah, I'll do a more technical training. This is how you do Pear Deck. This is how you use Flipgrid, this and that. But it's never just that. It's how to use Flipgrid to connect with students, Mm -hmm. how to use Pear Deck to power up your lessons. And so I'm really trying to talk about what the tool will do, because if we don't know the purpose of the tool, then we're not using the tool right. Yes, absolutely. I do the same thing. I mean, naturally, any presentation I give could be on reinforcement systems. It's going to talk about mindset too, right? Because to me, you got to bridge in where that passion lies. Sure, I'll give a presentation on this, but I got to add me into it. And so I think you know, anybody listening, you know, I kind of, I love how this episode really became about these passion projects, right? Like really whatever it is you desire, maybe it's starting a podcast, maybe it's speaking more, maybe it's writing a book or starting a blog. The the opportunities are endless. It's really up to you to decide, but hopefully what you've, you know, listeners, what you've gained here is talk to people about it, right? You are not, you don't have to make this decision on your own, like reach out to people that have done it, and, and really be open to maybe it's not a book, maybe it's not a podcast, maybe it's, uh, maybe it is a blog, maybe it's an email series, maybe it's just being on podcasts, right? Maybe right. it's just talking and sharing and that's okay, right? Whatever you decide is what you decide. That's about part of defining who you are. You've got to figure that out. To, I think what, what we both have been sharing is we've been able to figure that out for ourselves by talking to other people. And that, again, is that power of connection, right? And just the idea that just because something scares you doesn't mean that you're not meant to do it. I grew up thinking if something was scary that you should stay away. But if I had felt that way, so many things that have happened in my life, I would have missed out on something as simple as I grew up scared of dogs. I can't imagine my life without the two dogs. I won my one dog who passed away, who snaked his way into my heart and the dog that we have adopted now. The book's a great example of that. I saw somebody put something out on social media about wanting people in the ed tech field to write a chapter for a book. I could have said, oh, well, I'm not qualified. I put my name in there and I wrote just, and I have another book. I'm a contributing author coming out next year where I wrote like a 30 page chapter on engagement. So it's really looking at those things that scare you and deciding if they're really calling at your heart, can you do them? And, you know, you and I've talked about this because, you know, I've started my own business and it's in its infancy, but that was scary for me. But as I talk to you and I talk to others, I, you know, I'm working on it and it's a slow process. I'm not in a rush. Mm-hmm. but I, I, I have a vision that I want to reach. And, you know, right now I kind of, you know, Tannenbaum tech is like my big umbrella. And I love the fact that I can, I can do that work at school and help in my local community, but I can also do that work by presenting and I can do that work through blogging. And each of those little pillars gives me a little bit different, you know, audience, but I'm still able to reach out and do what I love and make the impact that I want to make. Um, and it's just been amazing. The people that I know you and I've both connected with who've just helped me, both of us grow and learn so much. I didn't know people like that existed. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it is, it's just so important to, I think it, it's, you know, again, for me, it's, it's why they're both in, you know, the, the mindset method of envision and focus, right? It's a constant, not even back and forth, but it's, it's that constant synergy, I'm going to say between both and having that vision going big, seeing where things can go and then pick one thing to focus on now, right. And to just keep growing and yeah, do the scary things because that's where truly the magic truly happens because if we're doing what we've always done, we're going to know what to do, but we're going to get those same results. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's just so important, you know, to me, the easiest ways, because again, I have so many people reach out and say, but I just don't know. I said, what's on your heart? What can you not stop thinking about? What gets you giddy, right? Like I get excited to record these podcasts. I, it doesn't matter what my day was like. I'm like, yes, I get to record a podcast today. That that's a no brainer to me, right? If the day ever comes where I'm like, oh, I've got to record, you know, then I know it's not time anymore, right? I know I've moved beyond that. I don't, I don't get that feeling at all. And so it would be the same if I, you know, with all the things I do, they light me up, they get me excited. And if something doesn't, I pause from it, right? I just, I take that pause and it's okay to pause and say, maybe I'll come back, but it's also okay to say that doesn't serve me anymore. I'm going to move on and do this. But in order to do that, you've got to know the why, right? You've got to know that purpose and what is it you want. And I know like in the past um, six weeks, I've really tried to embark on this fitness journey and I've been working out more and I'm watching what I eat more because that's something that I, I know where I want to be. We, I took your course, Ignite Your Legacy and Dynamically Designed Debbie. I know what she looks like. And right now I need to get more fit to be that person. And so I really, and that's something that scared me, honestly, lifting weight scared me. All of those things scared me. And today, you know, I use my heavier weights and I tried something new. So this whole mindset isn't just about what I do for my day job or my night job or my passion projects, but it's just a way of living that I knew that I needed to do something. And I found a resource to help me with that. And it was so sweet. I checked my mail today and she had written me a handwritten note, thanking me for choosing her. And that's how I knew that decision's the right one. Yes, absolutely. And I love what you said. It's lifestyle, right? Like I, I make decisions now based on life, right? Not not solely classroom or solely work or solely define you. It's, it's, will this help me be a better version of Lindsay? Because right. if I'm a better version of Lindsay, everything else wins, right? Every role I serve. And that, that is why I'm so passionate about helping educators define who they are. Because when you know who you are, you truly are unstoppable. And I, and I believe that inside and outside of the classroom. And I think you are, you are proof of it too. Like just seeing your own personal transformation that you share and you blog about and you write about and share, it truly is possible by taking those small steps and believing that it can be possible. I mean, I think about some of the things that have happened in my teaching career. And there were times where I thought about leaving teaching. Things were bad. Things were just not good. And I am so grateful that I didn't do that. I'm so, and yes, teaching looks different for me now than it did when I first started teaching in 1997. However, I'm so glad I went through some of our biggest struggles can lead to some of our biggest triumphs. And sometimes we have to go through hard things in order to be where we're supposed to be. And, you know, this past year was super hard with COVID, but because my role was a little bit different this year, I need, I want, I needed a different creative outlet and I started writing more. So you just never know how those things that happen to you, where they're going to go, where they're going to evolve and, you know, 
sometimes you, you just have to trust that process. And, you know, and I know I've really appreciated all of our connections because, you know, every morning I start my day after I work out with your journal and um, it really kind of helps center me because sometimes there's so much noise in our world. We just need to focus in on what really matters. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. We just sometimes need that, that place of whatever that is for you to, you know, yeah, clear from the noise, right? Be able to listen to your own thoughts, your own feelings. And I love that. All right, Debbie. So I know today, I know your book, your book has been out for about a month, right? Or a month and a little, a little over a month, a little over a month went live as a Kindle version today, right? Yes. So where can people pick up a copy if they haven't done so already? Um, well, it's on Amazon. So you can pick it up on Amazon, either as a Kindle or as a paperback. If you want a signed copy, um, you can get it on my website, which is tannenbaumtech.com. And um, I lo- would love to connect with anybody who wants to connect. So I know my information will be in the show notes. So please feel free to check it out. Absolutely. I will have all of that linked up. So yes, make sure after you go and rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and this podcast, share it out. Make sure you tag us in it because we want to celebrate alongside of you. Um, And then head on over and uh, pick up a copy because like I said, it is going to be your go-to tool um, and resource, uh, especially in this upcoming year. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I'm just so excited to see the growth, Debbie, that just keeps coming from this and and to keep cheering you on as you're presenting. And I know amazing things are happening and are going to keep happening. So, so excited to be a part of it and can't wait to, to celebrate with you in the next few months. Awesome. Well, this was really fun. I always enjoy our conversation. <laughs> I do too. I think we could talk for hours. So, you know, we probably could, <laughs> but everyone in my house might wonder what's going on with dinner. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No, it has been, it has been a blast. Thank you so much for, for sharing part of your story with us and being here today. And um, again, listeners, if you haven't connected yet with Debbie, go do so now. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back same time, same place next week with a brand new episode for you. And always remember, as you are going through your week, keep on loving who you are, owning who you are, trusting who you are. Those will help you define who you are each and every day. I'm always here if you need anything. So do not hesitate to reach out until next week. Have a fabulous week ahead and we will talk soon.